Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. If you would pray for Don Ayers, who is on our prayer chain, and yeah, Don is at St. Al's. Um, they were very concerned with him yesterday, and yeah, they've determined that he has an infection in his gallbladder, so it's not as bad as they thought, but he's a, Don's about 85 years old, and so anything physically that's wrong can be very serious, and yeah, they have a tube draining uh, some infection, and, and so we pray for him. Also, we have three folks who are having surgeries this week. Um, Malachi Corder, uh, one of our young fellows who's nine years old, is having surgery tomorrow, and yeah, be praying for him. And then Shirley Summer and Dan Shar also have surgeries this week. So if you would pray for one another, I'm glad that you're here on the second Sunday of the year. And I can't think of a better place for any of us to be than right here in God's house. I pray that it's your desire to add to your faith this year. Today we return to our theme passage, and we did not even begin really to get into our theme last week, but we did introduce it by talking about God's mathematics. And today we're going to read our theme passage once again. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. This morning we're going to take a phrase out of verse number one there, and I'd like to talk for a few minutes about like precious faith. And let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for our time together on this Sunday morning where we can come and worship you. And Lord, I do not know every person in this room. I don't know what it is that's brought them to this place today. But I do pray that the Holy Spirit of God would work through the Word of God in each of our hearts in a special way. Pray that you would help us to understand the meaning of like precious faith and then to be involved, to be participants in our own faith. And we'll ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday in God's Mathematics, we found that all the things needed for believers to grow have been provided by God's grace and through His promises. And so let's get growing here this morning. Now, the notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Notice in verse 5 this phrase, giving all diligence. We're talking here about a very serious thing. As Peter wrote to these saints and to future saints, including us, he said, give all diligence to this. This is a very serious thing. Growing requires some effort 
on our part. I don't know if any of you during the holidays are like me, and it doesn't take much work at all for you to grow this way. Um, It just kind of seems to naturally happen. I don't know what it is about the month of December, but it always just seems like there's more food around. And uh, that it's always food that you can't put down and you can't deny. And and, uh, I don't know, maybe some of you have much greater self-discipline than I do, but it's a difficult thing. And, And growing spiritually takes commitment on our part as well. Um, If you were here last week, you may remember my KFC bucket full of blocks. And we went through, and I actually took and built blocks here on the table. It was quite quite a procedure. And you guys remember how well it came out, right? Beautiful, beautiful tower that we built with our blocks. And we talked about that when we try to do things on our own strength... That's what we build. Absolutely nothing. Because we have nothing from which to build of ourselves. Not a thing. But then we took, and we also took next KFC bucket, and we used God's supply. And we actually did have some tangible things that we built. And I know that some of you are experts at building towers. How many of you are really good at this game? Yeah, I'm not good. My fingers shake. But we built an amazing tower, and uh, it was down low, so some of you couldn't see it. But that's what we did last week. And we talked about how it's vain for us to try to add anything to our faith that's not provided by God. It's completely useless. And yet, we came to the conclusion that that's what most of us do every year of our lives. We try to add things to our lives that have no value. And it, it's such a, a wonderful thing in our mind at the time. We sit down and we say, I've got goals for this year. And we're going to get a new house or we're going to get a new, new car or get a promotion or enroll in a class or be in the neighborhood watch or volunteer in the community. And it's an empty type of thing. We can't build from it. It's vain. But when we... Take the resources of God that he has already provided for building in our lives. Then we begin to see something happen. At verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, I want you to see, once again, the simplicity of this. Look at 2 Peter 1, verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. All right, so how many things has God given unto us that pertain to life? All things. Everything that you need to live the Christian life has been provided for you in Jesus Christ. Everyone, every one of them. And today I want to dwell primarily on this passage and move forward in growth. And we're going to start by receiving the gift And if you have your notes, that's the first thing that we'll look at, receiving the gift. It all starts with receiving the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you have never received Jesus Christ in your life, I hope that today will be the day of your salvation. When we first obtain, as verse 1 describes, like precious faith, there is great joy. There is grace and there is peace that gets multiplied. 
Things we have never before experienced come into our lives. And at that point, we don't really have a clue what the Christian life is and what it means. But we know that we like it. Now, how many of you, when you go to a restaurant, you like to try new things? How many of you are new things people? Not very many. Oh, my goodness. How many of you are kind of like me, and you get the same thing every time? All right. Now, let's, let's go even further on this, because I'm developing a thought process toward this crowd today, and I don't like what I see. How many of you, how many of you no matter what restaurant you go to, you order the same thing, the same item, like chicken fried steak in every restaurant that you go to? All right, we're, we're dealing with some really habitual, ingrained people here today. Oh, my goodness. God, please help us and give us grace. Um, the things that God has given to us, as we read in the passage, are exceeding great and precious. And when we taste them for the first time, we think, I'm not sure what it is, but I know I like it. I don't really know what this justification thing is, but I like it. I don't really understand atonement, but I like it. The preacher just talked about sanctification. Not sure what it is, but I like it. Some of you have kids, and you might remember back um, to when your kids first began to eat solid food, sitting up there in the high chair. Remember those days? And for some of you, it was a while back. Some of you, it was recently. Some of you, it's still to come. And you could tell very quickly whether or not your child liked the food or didn't like it, right? Um, and, I mean, if, if they liked it, it was all over the, um, the top tray of the high chair. They're just shoving it in. And you could not give them enough, right? If they didn't like it, it came back towards you. All right? If they didn't like peas, they spit the peas right at you. All right? it, very easily, you could tell whether they liked or didn't like it. And uh, the interesting thing is, I don't recall any of our kids, when they were toddlers, saying something like this. Excuse me, Mom, but does that jar of food happen to have a pinch of garlic in it? I don't recall that. I, I don't remember ever when they ate it, did they say, Dad? Did you use white sugar or brown sugar in this mix? Not, nothing like that. They just knew they liked it. And with foundational faith, that's good enough. God, I don't understand it all. I don't know where all the books of the Bible are. I don't even know why there's a book called Job in the Bible, but I wish I had one. Not sure how it all works. But I know that I like it. And that's the thing with salvation, is to say, God, I know I want you in my life. I don't know all the big words. I can't describe theology. But I like the like precious faith that you've given to me. And it's a beginning of receiving the gift. But then as we grow, we should begin to hunger and thirst after God's truth. And you know, there really should be some curiosity as to what living by faith includes and what it means. And that's where we get to this next portion, which is understanding the ingredients. 
understanding the ingredients. When we desire to grow in relationship with Christ, we begin to grow, verse 2, in the knowledge of God. And this allows us to break down the individual components that a walk with God requires. When it, when it comes to food, some people are really in touch with their taste buds. Um, and you may be married to one of them. All right, there are some people that aren't really ever curious about the ingredients in their food. Right, they just eat, right? They're usually called men, okay? Now, I'm generalizing there. There are some great um, male chefs that do care about the ingredients. But most men, if you put a plate in front of them and it has food on it, they're going to eat it. They're not going to ask you about the ingredients. They're just going to chow down. And if you're like Haas, they're going to take the pepper shaker, unscrew the top of the lid off, pour for a while, and then eat. Amen. Tell you what, that guy, he's an amazing guy. Um, but then there are those that have ingredient dissection down to a science. They take a bite of something, and all of a sudden they look at you quizzically and say, that has rosemary in it. I believe the chef used a vinegar reduction on that. And you're looking at them like, what is a vinegar reduction? Rosemary? Who is that? I knew a woman named Rosemary. There's actually a food called rosemary. And some of us are not quite as concerned or curious about the ingredients in the food. According to the scriptures, God wants us to be totally aware of what is needed for us to bear spiritual fruit. He's not only given us his word, which contains the knowledge of God, but he's also given to believers his spirit. He promised this. If you ever read John chapter 14 or John chapter 16 in the Gospels, he promised to give the comforter, the spirit, to guide us into all truth. Now, read verse 3 with me. Again, I'll read it out loud, but would you look at it? According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So these ingredients are available from the never-ending resource of God's divine power. When we think of ingredients... We can either look at them as already mixed together or as plain, unblended ingredients. Um, we at our house have Christmas goodies, and usually from all sorts of resources. And some of you make the best Christmas goodies on planet Earth. But, but we have canisters and we have plates. And by this time of year, out by our freezer in our garage, there's a whole stack of leftover Christmas goodies that as much as we tried, we were just unable to eat. And I don't know if that ever happens at your house. And then you hit January and the resolutions kick in and you can't eat the Christmas goodies anymore. And we have some Goodman nuts that we always have because the Goodmans make these unbelievable, um, they're just, they have, what, cayenne pepper? Yeah, she makes them. He's a man. He doesn't care about the ingredients. She knows what I'm talking about there. They have cayenne pepper in their sugary 
and they're just unbelievable. And then um, my mom's mom is Grandma Bertram, and she always makes these special things that have butterscotch, and I don't even know what they're called. Does anybody know what they're really called? They're called haystacks. Does anybody know what haystacks are? She, haystacks. At our house, our kids call them Grandma Bertrams. Now, I don't know if that's right or appropriate, but that's what they call them. Could I have a, Dad, could I have a Grandma Bertram? Son, maybe that's not the right question to ask. So, um, and then there's um, my wife makes these things called Oreo balls. Have you ever had those? And I, yeah. The Oreo balls, you take this mixture, I don't even know what it is, but it has a lot of Oreo in it, and then they dip it in white chocolate. And if you set it on top of your head, your tongue literally will slap your brains out trying to get to it. It's that good. It's so rich that you can only eat one. And you have all these different peanut butter balls, and you've got divinity, and you guys know all the rest. Chocolate-covered pecans, and all sorts of different designer chocolates. And every one of those, and you grab one, and you could actually fill your whole plate up with these things that are already made. And sometimes we think that's what this passage is talking about, what the Christian life is. Oh, I need one of those in my Christian life. And oh, need one of those. Oh, one of those. And then we go through the Bible and we read a passage. I don't really like that one. That's when we set that one aside. We bite into it. Oh, that's not as good. And we kind of, kids, do you want to try this chocolate? I don't know if you ever have done devious things to your little children like that. Get a box of chocolates and bite into it, and one you don't like. Would you like to try a candy? That is wrong. And I can't believe that you people would do that. How ungodly. But a lot of times, that's what we think this passage is. Add to your faith. Oh, I have one of these. I have one of these. And we have become, in American Christianity, golden corral Christians. I'm not saying you're fat, people. Just relax for a minute. Let me explain it. We like to walk into Christianity and take a little bit of this, and take a little bit of this, oh, pass the salad aisle, you know, pass this aisle, have a little bit of soup here, we'll do a little bit of this. And we kind of smorgasbord in our Christianity. That's not what this passage is talking about. And as we get into it, as we understand the ingredients, we're going to begin to see what God actually means in this passage. You know, there are many applications for every verse of Scripture. But there's only one thing that God actually meant when he said it. And that's what I want to find in this passage, not just today, but through these first weeks of the year. When it says to add to your faith... We can look at it like a math problem, which we covered last Sunday. We could look at it like building a tower, as we talked about. Uh, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, who was a great Bible teacher, thought of it as a healthy tree. I don't know if you remember from science class, where if you cut a, a grown tree down and you cut it across and you can look at the growth rings. You guys know about this? And the redwood trees, how they, you could see hundreds of growth rings inside that tree. He thought that that's kind of how it is. You, you start as a believer with a tiny little sapling, and you begin to grow, and you begin to expand, and you continue to grow. It's not grab one here and grab one there. And so, so he thought of it that way. 
we can look at it adding many different items to our plate like we talked about. Or, I believe, excuse me, my voice is changing. I'm 39 years old and it finally kicked in. I knew it happened one of these days. Um, I stopped by the store, though, and got some flour, okay? Now, how many of you enjoy flour? Enjoy flour? My guess is that unless you have celiacs or something like that, that you do enjoy flour, you just never think about it. How many of you have ever just taken the initiative to go into your kitchen and grab a bowl of flour and start chomping? There's always one. God bless you, son. We'll talk to you after the service. And how many of you have ever thrown flour in a pan and turned the oven on and said, kids, here's dinner? Now, flour by itself is just flour. And yet, when you combine it with the ingredients that are tasty and wonderful, flour can become an amazing thing. You know, it's kind of like faith. There's a lot of people who say, I believe in Jesus. You know, the book of James says that faith without works is dead. Nobody's going to eat it. It's not real. It's not authentic. It's just a name. And there are a lot of people, maybe, who are sitting in chairs today that all you have is faith. You've never added anything to it. And today I want to talk about adding to this mixture. So, faith. But then, it says in the passage, add to your faith... Virtue. How many of you guys like this stuff? Yeah, some of you like it too much, and you're going to end up having heart problems. Now, this is not a, it's not a medical discussion here, but I just thought I'd throw that in. I like salt, too. This is the Morton iodized salt. And if you add this to flour, you still don't have much. All right? You've got salty flour. Kids, tonight we're having salted flour for dinner. Kids, whoa, yeah. We haven't had that for a long time. Thanks, Mom. Salted flour. So you got virtue. We're going to cover that in a couple weeks. You've got virtue. And then you've got knowledge. The Bible says knowledge puffeth up. Perfect ingredient. Baking soda. And so, now we've got our flour and our salt and our baking soda. And still, how many of you would be willing to have a whole meal with those three ingredients? Not real exciting yet, right? Nothing in there that really rings your bell. Salt, flour, and soda. But now we get into a little tiny ingredient called temperance. Or, as we know it, Baker's Imitation Vanilla Flavor. How many of you understand that it just takes a little bit of this to go a very long way? You're making a batch of cookies. You don't pour in the whole bottle. Right? How many of you ever poured in the whole bottle? Yeah, you made a big mistake, didn't you? My wife's father made a huge mistake in the kitchen one time. He wanted to surprise his wife. And so he made a big pot of clam chowder. 
huge pot ready to go. And he got, he was making it homemade. And so he took the evaporated milk out and poured that all in. And at the first bite, everybody literally not threw up in their mouth. They threw up. What happened is he did sweetened condensed milk <laughs> instead of evaporated milk. That's like if you pour a whole bottle of this in. It has to be temperance. It has to have some self-control. And so we got that ingredient. And then we get into an all-American ingredient. Just wonderful. Butter, right? Now, how many of you literally, you could eat butter raw? You could eat butter raw. See, now we're getting somewhere. And we're getting to all-American stuff. Now, when I put butter in, patience is the biblical term, it begins to hold this whole thing together. Now, how many of you could maybe make something out of these five ingredients that would actually be edible? You could do it? Probably. She's a good cook. Still some things we probably need in here. But you actually could make something that would begin to taste like food out of those five ingredients. Still not quite there yet. And then we get to your pastor's sustenance. The egg. Yes. The egg in the Bible represents godliness. When you were a kid, do you remember how they taught you the Trinity? One egg, but it has how many parts? Three parts. The shell, the white, and the yolk. These are not hard-boiled eggs. Don't mess around or I will throw one at you. <laughs> have an egg face plant right here in church. You take eggs just by themselves, and you got a meal. Right? How many of you are with me on this? Oh, you mix eggs with this stuff right here, and you're talking food. And here's the deal. Without godliness, you got nothing. And so you got the egg. And then we get into some heavenly journeys here. The Bible calls it brotherly kindness. In America, we call it sugar. I brought two kinds because we're very involved with sugar in the United States. Do you know that the average American eats almost 150 pounds of this stuff a year? Not raw, but mixed in with our food. And then we throw a little of this in for good measure. The average can of soda has between 14 and 18 teaspoons of this jolly stuff right here. Isn't that amazing? And when you start to mix all this in together with the flour and the salt and the soda and the vanilla, you begin to have some food, so brotherly kindness. But then where would the world be? Where would our recipe be without manna from heaven? <laughs> See what I'm saying? You guys know what this is. How many of you have ever found a friend in this bag? Yes. This bag could be a friend by itself. Seasons of life, as you begin to taste the semi-sweet morsels. And you know that all these ingredients right here, flour, plus these seven, will make you some Nestle Toll House cookies. How many of you are getting hungry? Yeah, some Nestle Toll House cookies. But you've got to add to your 
faith. If you don't ever add to your faith, you never get to this part. Now, we're going to cover every one of these ingredients in these first seven or eight sessions of the year. But I want you to see how God wants us to add to our faith. We have to understand the ingredients. And as we begin to understand the ingredients, I believe that God has the right picture for us. When we consider this word, add, look back at 2 Peter chapter 1, at verse number 5, and look what it says again. It says, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, if you'll focus in, this is the part where I need your focus, right? It doesn't take much focus to fall in love with chocolate chip morsels. And we all get the focus just for a minute. The word add in this passage comes from the Greek word epikoriago. It's used five times in the New Testament. Okay, here's what's interesting to me. Second Peter 1, the English word is add. We just read the verse. But in the other four instances where the word is used, the English word is ministered or ministereth. It's never, never in any other place used as add. It's always used as ministered, meaning supply or furnish or assist. And the word itself has a built-in word picture. And this is where I hope that you'll stick with me for just a minute so you can get this. When this word was used in ancient Greece, it referred to the actions of a chorus, a group of singers. And when the singers in the chorus would come out, they would walk out hand in hand to sing. One of them would lead the way and everybody else would be behind. But they were a chorus. They all were one chorus, but they ministered to each other. And when this passage says, add to your faith, here's what it's saying. Faith leads the chorus. Faith leads the chorus. Love brings up the rear. Faith leads the chorus, and everybody's part of this chorus. It's one thing. It's not different kinds of cookies. It's not different types of products. It's one thing. Faith leads the band. And when we look at this passage, as, as we get into it, here's what I want to talk about with the ingredients, and that's following the recipe. Following the recipe, which is the next, next thing in your notes. It's wonderful when we begin to understand the disciplines that God's grace has provided us in the chorus. And we mention them all. Virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. But those disciplines are of no value if we don't add them to our faith. That's why an illustration like this, I hope, will ring true in your head and your heart today. If you're an average American, you have plenty of ingredients in your cupboards at home. Even if you hardly ever use them to cook. I don't know if you ever open something to get ingredients out, and uh, you pick something up and you say, wow, it seems like we've had this for a while. And you look at the date, 2006, 2008. September of 2004. And my wife is notorious for this. And she says, I just bought this. Like, honey, 
Seven years is a long time. Maybe we're having a problem with our short-term memory here. That's a long time. And we forget sometimes what the ingredients are in the cupboard until they're not there. Have you ever been making cookies and you didn't have any baking soda? Or you didn't have any vanilla? Or you're out of eggs? Now, back in the old days, you walked over your neighbor's house and said, could I get a cup of milk? Right? Now, today it's kind of out. Just, I guess it's fallen out of pattern. Now, maybe you still do it. But God's ingredients are something we actually have to follow. It's really time for us to be aware that God has all these ingredients that we need, and we just have to follow the recipe. And if we will take these things that God wants us to learn in the early part of this year and add them to our faith, I believe that God will give us growth as individuals, as families, and as a church. I really do. Because it's his word. His word never returns void. It's profitable for us to add these things to our faith. And then that brings us in the passage to enjoying the product. Which is where I want to close and talk for just a few minutes. I love how the Bible expresses to us in verse 4 that we might be partakers of the divine nature through God's promises, through God's ingredients. If you are a Christian, you are privileged to be a child of God. You did nothing to deserve it. By your own merit, you deserve eternal death. But by His grace... We're privileged to be his children. We are privileged to co-labor with God. To have these fruits of faith, seven of them, perfect number in our lives. We are allowed to have the joy of seeking his kingdom in our lives. You know, many people who profess faith in Christ miss out on enjoying the product. They don't ever take their faith out for a spin. God gifts them with like precious faith. That's salvation. It is a gift. And when we receive it, we've got it. It can never be taken away from us. God gives it to us. And yet, many people never add one thing to their faith. There will be people who will go from earth to heaven in 2012 who have never added one ingredient to their faith. You know what? That's a shame. It is a shame to take the privilege and opportunity of salvation and never do anything with it. It'll be an eternal shame too. Yes, you'll get your ticket to heaven, but you won't have anything to lay at the Savior's feet. You won't have anything of eternal value in your life. And that's what the end of this passage talks about. Look at verse 8. Let's see the contrast. For if these things be in you, If you add the ingredients and mix the recipe and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Forgotten. He was purged from his own sins. If we don't do anything with the ingredients God's given us, 
we forget what salvation is. We forget about heaven's promises. We forget there's something bigger in this life than the car payment and the house payment and the rental payment and a new couch and my TV broke and the oil change and I've got to do this with the kids and gymnastics and the guitar lesson and all these different things. And guess what we forget? We're Christians. We're saved by grace. God has given us joyful, eternal life. And here's what I hope you'll do this year. Make some cookies. Take God's ingredients out for a spin. Do you know that the first time you add the ingredients together, it's liable to not turn out the very best? How many of you have ever made cookies that weren't so tasty? Tell you what, tell you what you do. You go home and look up the Nestle Toll House recipe on the internet. And just leave the salt out. That'll be tasty, won't it? No, that'll be inedible. It'll be a beautiful-looking chocolate chip cookie that no one can handle. And I'm afraid that's what a lot of Christians are today. They haven't added all the ingredients. They know how to look. They know how to shake hands. They know the secret handshake. They know everything about going to church but they don't have anything of value that they're living for inside. And God gives us this caution. See, at the moment of salvation, Christ is completely ours. When you receive Jesus Christ in your life, you got all of him that you will ever have. He's all sufficient. You can never say, God, I need more of you today. You have all you're ever going to get. You have the ingredients. You have the promises. You have the supply. But spiritual fruit only abounds when we become completely His and share like precious faith with others. If these things be in you and abound, they make you. I like that phrase. They make you. If these things be in you and abound, they make you. It's a natural growth. You'll be neither barren nor unfruitful. And so my question as we close is this. Have you ever received like precious faith? If you have, it's time to start understanding just what it is that you've been given. To follow God's recipe. These things be in you, they make you. It's time to enjoy the product. And if you have never received the gift of eternal life. Maybe you don't even understand what I'm talking about today. Here's what I encourage you to do. Seek God. You know what God says in his word? If you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Say, I'm not sure if the Bible is true. Seek God. See if it is. You try God this year. See, a lot of people who are skeptics, you know what they're really doing? They're making excuses as to why they won't believe in God. They've already refused to do it. They're just making excuses. If you're a real skeptic, do this. Read the Bible through this year. See if God's real. See if he's true. Find out what faith really is. Add to your faith. Why? Because it's like precious faith. Let's bow in prayer.